Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Weigh-In Sports Talk. Today is Sunday, July 14th. We are very excited to welcome a special guest tonight, Matthew Jordan, who is a 2014 verbal commitment quarterback at Georgia Tech. Before we get started, here are a few reminders. We would love to hear from you, and here are several ways to weigh in. Call us at 646-716-5564 or join us in the chat room at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Tarvino. Or follow us on Twitter, at Way in Sports. Now here's your host, Brian Tarvin, and co-host, Trey Patterson. Let's weigh in. Well, welcome, everyone. It's Sunday night. It's one of our most favorite shows of the week. I mean, we only have two, so both of them are my favorites. So welcome again, and thanks for joining us. It's almost Monday, Trey, and we have a lot to discuss tonight. I just wanted to bring people up to date real quick before we get started that our website weighinsportstalk.com will be up and running. It's up and running now, but there's some tweaks to be made, and it'll be up probably by Wednesday, so go check it out. Spread the word. And just like Michelle said, uh, Matthew Jordan, he's a 2014 verbal commit to Georgia Tech, uh, battled diabetes, type 1 diabetes, that is, since he was 11. He's going to come on and discuss it. Trey, we have a lot to discuss tonight. I hope all is well with you. How's it going? Hey, man, how's it going? Doing wonderful, man. I'm excited. I'm pumped. We have some big shows coming up and a lot of information to cover tonight if we're going to get done by 1030. Hope all is well with you. And before we get started, Trey, I want to give the call-in number to people, and I'll give it again in just a few moments, 646-716-5564. So, Trey, what do you think about our guest tonight? I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, always excited to get perspective from one of these uh, verbal commitments, one of these recruits. But, you know, I mean, Matthew has a really interesting story, and you really can't um, help but really root for him. Uh, whatever school he selects, I mean, both you and I, not Georgia Tech fans, but both you and I uh, really do did like his story quite a bit when we heard about it. We did, and, and Trey, with so much negativity going on in the world and the sports world, it's always refreshing, you know, to talk to someone that, that doesn't take what he has for granted and actually takes his disability he has, and it's not even a disability, I mean, from people that I've talked to about him and read about him, but, I mean, just to see the way he takes, he doesn't take for granted, you know, who he is and, and his talent. It looks like he's living life to the fullest, and I'm very excited to get to hear from him. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, all right, we're going to get started, Trey, and Major League Baseball All-Star Game is this week, and I wanted to get your opinion. I know you, we wanted to talk about it last show real quick. So, uh, A's outfielder, 
what's his name, the outfielder for the A's, that did not make the all-star team, but he got invited to the home run derby. His name just yeah, escaped me. He's on, he's on my fantasy yeah. team. Uh, yeah. He's from I just yeah. yeah, I just want to talk. I just want to ask your thoughts on this, Trey, because in my opinion, I don't think you should – well, hold on. I want to hear from you first, Trey. Go ahead and tell us your thoughts on making not making the all-star team and getting invited to one of the special events at the all-star game. Yeah, I mean, he's not the only one. As uh, You know, there's Alvarez for the Pirates has come on as, I think, a replacement as well for Cargo. But, yeah, I'll tell you, what I think about this is that if you're not an actual all-star, I, I'm not sure why we're letting people participate in these, you know, all-star festivities. I mean, why is it we can't get a guy who actually is in the all-star game in um, – in the All-Star game, I mean, for the home run derby, I mean, the same thing could be said, I mean, for any competition. I mean, I know that the NBA does, you know, three-point shooting competitions for folks who aren't All-Stars. But, Tarvin, for me, um, you know, baseball was the, the the sport that's supposed to have, you know, this one huge competition, and it's supposed to be All-Stars. And I'm just very, um, I guess, disappointed, and it makes me want to watch it less when you have these guys who – who aren't in the national stage for being, you know, the best of their position or being in the all-star game as a representative of their team. Uh, just, it just makes me less excited. I mean, the home run derby seems to lose more and more luster each year. Yeah, I'm from the school of I think you should be an all-star to be able to compete in an all-star event. I mean, that's just my opinion on it. If you're a big home run hitter, but yet you're not an all-star, well, guess what? You You can't participate in the home run derby. But another issue I have with this All-Star game, Trey, is fans vote on it, which I don't have a problem with the fans actually voting on the All-Stars. And it does matter now. You know, the the National American League is going to host the World Series. The issue I have is these fans vote the players in, and they come up with some lame injury right before, and they get scratched and they don't attend. And all of a sudden you have an All-Star game that's 50% not All-Stars, really. So I think they need to put something in that you have to be at that game if you get voted in, unless you're on the DL. Maybe that's the only way. But I think too many of these players are, are copping out and just faking injuries and just saying they're hurt or they're like Verlander, my quad is tight and all this stuff. If you if it means so much, then the best should be there, especially the ones the fans vote in. Yeah, I mean, I think it's much harder for pitchers, especially when they go today. Um, to pitch on Tuesday, but yeah, I mean, you see a lot of hitters who just who want to use the, the time to get better from nicks and bruises, and that's a little disappointing. I mean, I can understand a guy who goes throws on Sunday who doesn't want to go out there and blow his arm out on, during the All Star game. I get that, Tarvin. Uh, I just don't don't get as much as what you're saying as, as some of these hitters who back out, uh, who play on Sunday and seem to be just fine, uh, and then back out of it. Well, you know, the thing I have is Verlander got voted. We knew a while back that Verlander was on the team. Well, he should have took another day off if he was going to start the All-Star game. I believe that being voted the All-Star game should excuse you halfway through the season just to pushing your start back a little bit. It's not like he's got to throw 100 pitches in the All-Star game. He's going to throw a couple of innings. I think it's so important because Detroit's a team. They're leading their division right now and could possibly make the World Series. This could be the difference in playing on the road at San Francisco or, or somewhere or playing at home. 
I think it's huge, and I think I just don't understand managers thinking this. This one game is probably not going to kill you if Justin Verlander doesn't pitch. But winning that All Star game is very important, especially if you're a team in the hunt. Well, I mean that's where I go against you, Tarvin, and I'm going to take the opposite. I think that teams have to be uh, thinking about themselves first. I mean, who is the better starter for the Tigers, I and mean, who do you want to start on Sunday? You know, if you can get an extra start in for Verlander. That's another win, possibly, and, you know, he won today. Um, but the same could be said for, you know, Matt Harvey or Clayton Kershaw. I mean, you want those guys to have a one more pitch, uh, one more game pitch, because, I mean, let's be honest, I mean, when you're the ace of your team, the fact that you're throwing on that mound, you you give your your team the best likelihood to win. And, you know, while, yeah, the home field advantage is important, Tarvin, but it's not more important than that win that you get. We're talking about, you know, even getting to the World Series because it's a guy like Verlander who's going to get them there. Yeah, I mean, look, Detroit, This what I'm saying is this game really doesn't – it would be different if it was the last game of the season and you were, you were a game up. That's different. But right now, I think I think they should have – They should. if you get chosen by the, the managers, if you get voted by the fans, you have to go to the All-Star game. And these guys with chap lips this weekend that's going to miss and get somebody else to come in. And I believe Puig's injured, isn't he? Isn't he, Trey? He had to sit out the last couple of games with a hip injury, and maybe that's why he didn't get asked. Once uh, Freeman's actually injured for the Braves, he's going to be able to miss the uh, All Star game. Right, and they, um, Brian McCann is the injury replacement for him. Yeah, but it's just one of those things, guys. This All Star game, the players don't treat it seriously. Nobody treats it seriously. So why does it mean so much? The problem I have with it means so much for a game that's an exhibition. Why do you put home field advantage? You could have a hundred win Detroit team going on the road and playing a eighty win team, and and they've earned it all year. The hundred and sixty three games, whatever they've won it, they proved it on the field. Now they're they have to go on the road and possibly be underdogs and fight for their life to win a World Series. I think the All Star Game in general is just a joke. Well, I mean, I think. Uh... Those are those who, obviously, you're in the school of thought who, who thinks that. I mean, it certainly isn't the Pete Rose era of, you know, sliding into folks. It's, it's definitely not that, Tarvin, for sure. Yeah, but I just think, you know, first of all, if the game's going to mean something, now all you're doing really, if when you're these players and if you're out there listening players, I want you to hear this. What you're doing is when you you get these little injuries that aren't injuries and and sit out of an event, all you're doing is slapping the fans in the face. These guys pay your salary. They buy all those concessions. They do parking. They buy memorabilia with your name on it. The least you can do is take your lazy butt to the game and play. I I just don't get it, man. I, I think baseball players, and I've said it before on this show, are the biggest sissies in the world, Trey. Well, you know, I disagree with that, but um, you know, certain I think certainly a lot of players don't view the All Star Game as the most important game of the year. Well, you're you're missing the point. The fans actually vote these people in that pay their salary, and if they and if they tell you that hey, we all voted you in, we want to see you play, like uh, Freeman, we want to see you play for Atlanta. All this fuss made about the last guy getting in and he, he gets injured, it's not his fault, so he misses that sign. But Verlander with a tight quad and things like that, I mean, I'm, I'm sick of it. I mean, the chap lips thing's getting old. Baseball players need to man up, and I'm not going to go on about this all night, guys, I promise, but it's 
it, it, it does aggravate me to see this. These baseball players do not take this game serious. Why does it mean so much then? So I think Seelig needs to step back and look at the what he put the rules he puts in place for this All Star game. I mean, the only thing I'm going to watch is the home run derby. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand your point, Tarvin, but um, you know, pitchers don't get you know voted in unless they're the last five in. So you get the you know the Toronto pitcher who nobody knows who is is going in. Uh, the rest of them, you know, uh, get picked by the manager. And but you know, one of the things that managers have been doing, sort of. I think in line with what you're thinking is guys who pitch on Sunday aren't getting usually selected now, especially when it comes to the last spot. So, you know, that has cost several guys um, an all-star spot. So, you know, maybe managers uh, who want to win this game are thinking a little bit more like you, Darwin. Well, they're smart if they do. Uh, Let's go stay on baseball. Guess who pitched a no-hitter last night, Trey? Well, you know, it, Timmy, Timmy Lipscomb. I, 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 I'm, I was shocked, Tarvin. I, I don't know what, what, what you guys listeners were thinking about that, but I, when I heard, you know, Lipscomb takes no hitter into the eight, I didn't even turn it on, um, because I just thought for sure it was going to be broken up. So, uh, very surprised that Tim Lipscomb finished it out. You know, a lot of pitches, so we'll see how he does. I mean, the, the guy's five and nine, even with the no hitter. Uh, so he's not having the greatest season as it is. I mean, this is a two-time Young winner, though. So very interesting. You know, I mean, the stat of uh, a guy who's won multiple Cy Youngs and throws a no-hitter afterwards, and there's like five guys in history who have done that. So, you know, he put himself in a pretty elite company, but at the same point, I mean, this guy still isn't back to his Cy Young days. Yeah, I love to see the 148 pitches, Trey. That's what I like to see. A guy not coming off the mound. He's been struggling all year. You could not shoot Lincecum and get him off that mound as much as he's been struggling. And look at this, Trey. Uh, He's received 12 runs of support in his last 10 starts up to that. I mean, 12 runs in his last 10 starts. His ERA is 4.78. I'm going into that. But, look, San Francisco is going to have to start scoring some runs for this guy like they did last night. Well, I mean, yeah, he's, he's got some run support issues for sure. Yeah, but just to see somebody come back and and, and, and Trey, do you think it was Lincecum's idea to stay out there for that long? Because you know the manager came to him and said, "Hey, you know, you've been hurt. You haven't been yourself. Do you want us to, you know, sit you out?" Probably when it got to about a hundred and hundred and ten pitches, I, I guarantee you, Lincecum actually told him, "Trey, he's not coming out for anything." Well, I mean, yeah, the manager, I think, and you know, honestly, I think if this was, you know, Matt Kane or if this was. Um, if this was somebody other on that rotation, you know, Bumgarner, maybe maybe the manager doesn't let him finish it. Because, I mean, honestly, they're a little bit more valuable to their team. But, you know, and with Lenticum, you know, if he goes out, I mean, what do you really lose off the Giants? I mean, the no-hitter actually means a lot more maybe. So, you know, one of the interesting things about Lenticum is he's, he's kind of lost that luster of that Cy Young. But, uh, you know, certainly he put, uh, put himself in the record books. Yeah, I mean, it's, it was a great performance, but that could be the thing, Trey, that actually turns his second half around, gets him going in the right direction. But, you know, the kid needs to get his velocity up, and, you know, he's, he has a weird motion, and I just don't know if he's ever going to get back to those days. The no-hitter was great, but he had to work hard for that, Trey. So what do you think about the second half for Linscombe? Do you think he's going to turn it around? No, I think, I think throwing that many pitches, you know, a guy who was already – 
um, I guess, struggling on it quite a bit and with his career now. Uh, I don't see the the pitch count helping him at all. I think this is going to be uh, quite quite honestly a Johan Santana issue where we're going to see Lenscombe probably leave um, with an injury at some point for the rest of the year. Well, if I was Lenscombe, Trey, if that was me on that third out, I would have took my cleats off, laid my glove down, and I'd have walked off the field and never come back. <laughs> Give him up for the love of the game. For the love of the game. That's, that's the best movie out there, man. I, I love that movie. But, yeah, I mean, I want a way to go out. And staying in baseball real quick, we won't stay much longer, Trey. Just want to go over the Braves right now. Uh, lost to Cincinnati today at home. A lot of injuries starting to happen up to, on the DL. The outfield starting to – you know, fall apart with the starters, Freeman's out. What's going on with the Atlanta Braves? Do they have enough to actually endure this second half? Because I can see the Nationals or Phillies making a push. Well, I mean, Gaddis is coming back to replace Upton from the DL. Now, I'll tell you, I don't think that, um, I don't think that, you know, losing VJ Upton is really, I mean, obviously his defense is helping quite a bit. I mean, the guy's hitting, what, a buck 70, Tarvin? I mean, losing him (laughs) isn't as, isn't a problem like losing his brother Justin, uh, who was not playing and may not, who was not going to play until after the All Star break. Clearly, because he didn't play today, but you know he's still questionable coming out of the All Star break. So it'll be interesting. Is he's far more valuable? He's heating up, and then um, I think Jason Hayward, who's been out of the lineup a little bit too. I mean, losing those two guys is actually more of an issue than than losing BJ Upton because I think with BJ Upton you're getting defense, but you're not getting anything else. Yeah, and it's <laughs> you know I was I was watching the Braves today, and I, I just don't know, you know, about how they're going to do it, man. I, I really don't know. I'm a Braves fan, but I had an interview today with Braves manager, and, and th- this is what he told Upton Trey. Well, you may run like maze, but you hit like shit. <laughs> so I don't I don't I don't think that's going to really affect you know the Braves season this year losing him. But you know what I like, Trey, is the farm system for Atlanta. They always put a stud in when somebody gets hurt, somebody that's good. So kudos to the Braves for having an outstanding farm system. You see teams like the Yankees, Trey, they just don't have that. They've traded that all away to get an old team. So just thought I would throw that out there. And uh, let's go to basketball real quick, college basketball, Trey. This is a story we wanted to touch on the other night, but we didn't get to. Marshall Henderson, the phenom at Ole Miss, Trey. Has been arrested. What was it? Cocaine and marijuana. Yeah, I don't. I don't know the drugs. I didn't, but you know, another. You know, and the weird thing about Henderson and, and him getting you know suspended off the team and all the drugs is, is sort of the, the anti-reaction from a lot of folks, which is usually, you know, why there's bum on a team. But for Henderson, it, it seems to be much more. Uh, the reaction I've seen is, let's get this guy help. He has a drug problem. And which is kind of surprising. I mean, that, that that a lot of folks are reacting that way. My question for you is: Are people only saying that about you know Henderson because he's such a talented player? I mean, would they would they give you know second, third, fourth, fifth chances to another player? Definitely not. I mean, if you can play basketball, I mean, you if you're great in the sport, you're going to get those extra chances. I mean, that's just a part of life. I mean, if the more talented you are in anything, not just sports, the more, you know, slack you get. But I looked at this guy's police record, and it's just like almost every week, Trey, he's getting arrested, pulled over, loud music, 
not wearing his seatbelt, speeding, having drugs on him. But I wonder if he had a little cocaine in his system when he was playing like a champ this, this past year at Ole Miss. Well, I mean, it makes you wonder. I mean, a lot of folks, um, you know, have given this guy a lot of chances. And here he is again with positive drug tests. And you know, now all of a sudden it comes out that this guy's got all kind of problems. So, you know, we'll have to see, Tarvin. Yeah, Ole Miss, you know, is a team that they haven't been good in basketball in a while. And all of a sudden this kid shows up. And you wonder how he got to Ole Miss, Trey. You wonder how a kid with that talent got to Ole Miss. And I think it's all the problems he's had before. Maybe Ole Miss was the only team that would take a chance on him. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, you you got to wonder why a guy that's as talented as he was. And this, I mean, for those who don't know him, uh, he led um, he led the SEC in scoring last year. So this guy, you know, he's got some game. You kind of wonder if he's got such a drug problem. Um, you know, why why he didn't go in the NBA. The NBA is not going to put up with this. And actually, the NBA has cleaned up their act a lot. You don't see the players like you did, you know, a while back getting arrested all the time. So this kid needs to get help. He needs to forget about college basketball right now and focus on himself and then work it out. And then he can come back and play in the NBA if he gets everything straightened out. But, man, this is starting to happen a lot in college sports, and you heard Manziel. Trey, there's a rumor going around with Johnny Manziel that he got kicked out of the Manning's camp, quarterback camp, actually. And, you know, I heard the rumor was that he was drunk the night before and showed up late the next day and said he was sick, and which he was hungover, and he got sent home. And another, you know, thing said he wasn't drunk or out. He was really sick, and he left. What have you heard so far on this? Well, I mean, I think we all know that he was, I guess, sleeping in class, so to speak. So, um, you know, one of the things about him is, you know, what led and, you know, what led to his inability to pay attention in the Manning camp. Uh, you would think that if he took football pretty seriously, there's really not a better place to learn um, the game. I mean, the Manning camp has produced a lot of good quarterbacks. A lot of, a lot of young quarterbacks in college have done very well after attending the Manning camp. So, you know, one of the things about him is he seems to take this kind of stuff, you know, folks, not very seriously. And, you know, whether Tarvin, you know, uh, the, the stories that I'm hearing the most of and is that he was out partying. And, and Tarvin, let me ask you this. Um, <laughs> what, was he out partying with an Alabama quarterback? I believe so. A.J. McCarron out at the club with, with Johnny Menzel, man, it's it's not looking good. I'm just telling you. If I'm Nick Saban, and we've talked about this before, Trey, if I'm Nick Saban, I'm telling A.J. McCarron to get his bromance over with here. They can talk after the season's over with. But it just seems like these guys are way too close to be, you know, enemies in college football here. Well, you know, yeah, I, I really agree with you this you know, Manziel kind of makes me scratch my head because it just doesn't seem like he – I mean, every time I hear, oh, he takes the game, he works so hard, he takes the game seriously, you know, he worked real hard in the off season. Well, I hear ten other stories that make me think that that's not true. This guy doesn't take, um, you know, his job as a you know, quarterback, and especially in um, a league that's going to adjust to him. I mean, there's going to be so many defenses that are to develop just because of Johnny Manziel. So, I mean – 
the fact is, Tarvin, I mean, this guy, if he's not working hard, if he's not taking it seriously, he's going to get it handed to him this year, and he's going to have a huge sophomore slump. Yeah, I just don't think he's taking it serious. And remember the the tweet he sent out about how he hated being there at College Station and everything. How long do you think it's going to take for the whole team, the coaching staff, and the fans to actually get fed up with this guy? Being good is one thing, but being a, a spoiled brat, all he does is want attention and, and put the spotlight on himself. I mean, how long are they going to put up with this? Well, they're going to put up with it uh, as long as he's good. I mean, that's the thing. If he does what he did last year, I think you put up with a lot of things. I mean, one of those things that you say over and over and over again in sports is talent makes everything else go away, whether it's off-the-field issues, whether it's, you know, in-the-locker-room type issues, you know, it's whether it's coaching issues, winning makes it all go away. And if he struggles this year and they stop winning, you're going to have a lot of people come out and say Manziel is basically trash. He's not taking it seriously. So we'll see how quickly things turn on him if Texas A&M comes out flat this season. Yeah, can you imagine this story, Trey? That third game of the year when they play Alabama in College Station, he takes a beating, Texas A&M gets beat pretty good, and then – they win a game, and another next week they lose a game. All of a sudden, no national championship, probably not a Heisman. And then all of a sudden, I think the wheels could come off. He gets in trouble. He goes out partying one night. I think at that point the coach will say, hey, enough's enough. We're going to go ahead and make an example out of you now. And, and I could really see Menzel getting suspended during the season if he's not playing well. Yeah, you know, I'll take uh, Paul Ewing in our chat room said that, you know, he's willing to book – Johnny Manziel and Radio City Music Hall for the ceremony to award the Heisman Trophy next year, Tarvin. I'll take that bet right now. You know, Johnny Manziel, I don't think will, if if he's there, I'll be a little surprised. But I'm going to take the bet. I'll take the odds. I'll take the field. Paul, you have my word right now on the radio. Keep up. It's Paul versus the field, and Trey's taking the field. Well, well Trey, if he if he if he's there, he might be there to to be in the line in the back with all the other Heisman Trophy. Winners possibly, right? So he could be there. So you better be careful yeah, well, what you bet. Well, now the bet is is he's got to be there to win the Heisman. He's got to be one of the <laughs> one of the people there wanting that trophy. So not one of the guys who's you know talking about how he won it last year. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that bet too, guys. Johnny Football will not be at the Heisman Trophy winner. Actually, he'll probably be in Tennessee. He'll be at the Music City Bowl in December. That's where you'll see Johnny Manziel this year. So, no, nah, I, yeah. I think Texas A&M would be a pretty good team. They'll win nine games this year, nine and three in the regular season. But losing to that Alabama team the way they're going to, Trey, I think it's going to knock him out of the Heisman hunt. And I really don't think ESPN wants to go back on the Johnny Manziel bandwagon now after all the trouble he's gotten into. So I don't think they'll really, you know, just follow him like they did last year. He won't have that quality signature win if he loses to Alabama. Well, I mean, the Alabama game is going to define, and I think, where we're going to see um, Texas A&M and Johnny Manziel go. I mean, if he wins that game, then, you know, uh, you know, I'm going to eat my own words here because all bets are off for Texas A&M at that point, and we, we'll break down their schedule later. But, you know, that's one of those games. It's such an important game so early on. I just, I just really, uh, you know, if I had to, you know, wager a bet, I mean, I'm taking Saban and having to study – film on Manziel because it's not like 
you know, Nick Saban isn't really, really good when you give him a lot of time. Uh, that's why he's, you know, so good in championship games because you give him uh, a couple of days to prepare, he's good. You give him a couple months, he's great. You give him the entire offseason to study tape on a quarterback, I don't know that he's going to be in that game. So we'll, we'll see, but I think Johnny Manziel has, a, has something coming in that game. Well, let's talk about A.J. real quick while, we, while we're talking about his brother here. Um, is he actually getting, you know, getting too cocky and too comfortable right now? you got to think, back-to-back national championships, it just seems like it's coming too easy for him right now. And looking at the off season, I can really see him taking a step back as well. Well, I mean, Adrian McCarron, I think, will be fine playing. I mean, the guy's been in too many big games to really regress. Um, but they have so many tools around him that, I mean, as long as they can, as long as that offensive line can keep him upright for five seconds, they're going to be okay. I mean, they they have too many guys to hand the ball off to. I mean, Yeldon is going to be phenomenal. I mean, Amari Cooper, I mean, you just name the guys, and they they just have weapons around him. So, you know, one of the things about A.J. McCarron is he understands the system. You know, little bit of wrinkles here and there for him to learn are going to be easy. So, I mean, the guy knows the system. He knows what he has to do. I mean, this is not a quarterback like Manziel who people, you know, that, you know, people are going to be gunning for. People are going to be running to, you know, looking to stop the run. They're going to look to stop Amari Cooper. I mean, I don't know that a lot of game plans are going to be based on A.J. McCarron. Just looking at it, being a leader of a national championship team and, and just being a team, a, a leader of a team overall, I think you have to hold yourself to a higher standard, Trey. I, th- I don't think you, you go associate with the opponents like that. I don't think you go out to bars with them drinking. I just don't think you put yourself in that situation because bad things happen when alcohol is involved because there's some crazy fans out there, as you know. And, and I just think putting yourself in that position, you lose respect with your fans, uh, just with everyone in the nation, and plus your team. That's one thing you don't want to lose control of, that locker room and that huddle. And, and I just have a feeling if A.J. McCarron's not careful and gets focused on football, that he could be in for a rude awakening. That doesn't mean that Alabama's going to uh, lose five games or anything. It just means he's going to struggle. They, he could struggle, and they could still do good. So that's one thing. But real quick, Trey, it is 9.30. We're going to go almost 9.30. We're going to go to a quick commercial break, and then we're going to bring our guest on. So we'll be back in about 30 seconds. Thinking about switching telephone service for your business to voice over IP, but you don't know where to start? We'd like to tell you about Clear Voice VIP from Telesystems. It has more features than traditional phone service, is more reliable, and can save you up to 60%. Call us toll-free at 866-608-7182. Clear Voice VIP is business class phone service you can count on. 866-608-7182. And we are back, and we are going to be joined right now live with Jackson High School quarterback Matthew Jordan. How are you, Matthew, and thanks for joining us. I'm doing good. How are you? Uh, doing great. Thanks for uh, agreeing to do an interview with us. I read your story in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, uh, real inspiring, Matthew. You see so many negative things out in the media and the press these days, and to read your story was really refreshing. So so tell us, looking up, looking at your upcoming season, uh, how's it looking for you guys? Uh, we're looking really good. Uh, we lost all our receivers last year, but we got a bunch of guys that could have started last year, and our offensive line is looking real good. 
and our defense, we didn't really lose that many on defense, so overall we're looking pretty good. All right, well, I did read the announcement, and here I was looking at 247 Sports and, and saw you made a big decision, and, and you chose the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets over the Nebraska Cornhuskers and actually 18 other schools. So tell us, what, what about Georgia Tech impressed you the most over Nebraska? Well, uh, it, Georgia Tech's a lot closer. I mean, it took me five hours to get home today. I was up there today, and it's just education. Even if football doesn't work out for me to get the next level, I'm still set with education from Tech. That's a great point. And Matthew, who's uh, Trey Patterson and the co-host? Uh, you know, Matthew, one of the you know for those of us, you know, obviously who are familiar with the the piece that was written, kind of tell us about you know how that piece came to be. When did they approach you to you know to to speak with them, and then tell us a little bit about you know your journey in the twelve week college football next year. Uh, they uh, called me wanting something to do with my uh, profile for the Atlanta Journal, and he asked me what is something that people just don't know about me, and most people just doesn't know I'm a diabetic because I handle it so well. I mean, it's really surprising to a lot of people that I am one. Well, and uh, you know, sorry, I got to Go ahead. No, no, Trey, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was just gonna say. I mean, you, you say you're a diabetic. I mean, it's a little, I mean, you're not just type one. I mean, right? So, can you kind of explain to folks, you know, what that means for you on a day-to-day basis? Well, that means that my pancreas doesn't produce any insulin at all, so I have to take my insulin by injection. And I take I take a shot every time I eat something. I eat about six times a day. Well, that's a lot. And playing the quarterback, Matthew, I mean, that's a very tough position to be in when you're when you're a hundred percent healthy. How do you how do you really handle it during a game? Do you even think about, you know, diabetes and making sure like if, if you get weak or, or something happens during the game that you have something uh ready and near you just in case? Well, there's always uh which in the games it really doesn't bother me, but there's always Gatorade and stuff like that on the sidelines, so I'm I'm always prepared for something but it really doesn't bother me. Matthew, was that, I mean, was that something that when you're, you're getting recruited and you got recruited, you know, let me, let's be honest, I mean, you got a lot of offers and you had a lot of schools to choose from and, and some of them, you know, pretty good at, at the quarterback position with at least producing talent um, and developing talent. So was that a, a question that you got from coaches as you were, you know, doing, they were coming to recruit you or any of them worried? Did, did any of them know? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, I mean, most of the ones I was, that I really talked to and I was really curious about, I mean, all of them knew, but, I mean, it really didn't bother them. I mean, they didn't really have no questions or anything like that. Well, you know, looking at your recruiting process, you know, Matthew, when did Georgia Tech get into the mix for you? What what grade were you in? Uh, I was, it was just this spring. They came, and they came to my uh during the spring, I talked to them, and then they didn't offer me till the summer. Like they didn't offer until like May or something. That was my like last offer I I got. Okay. And, and Matthew, let's let's sort of look look forward. I mean, you know, if if you do go ahead and sign with Georgia Tech, uh, what does the triple option mean to you? Are you looking forward to it? And ha- and how different is that from what you're running in high school? Well, well, I'm looking forward to it because I think I could be really successful at it. 
And in my high school team, we're a spread offense, and it's mostly passing, but now we do a, a lot of uh, read stuff, so it's not like I'm going to be totally new to a read option. We do some zone reads and stuff, that, and stuff like that now. Okay. It, and, and looking at, at Georgia Tech, Matthew, what, what it really separated them from all of the other schools on your list, I mean, the other thousand schools that offered you here, what, say, say, for instance, Nebraska-Memphis, what, what actually separated Georgia Tech from those two? Oh, uh, it's probably the education and the coaches. Just the coaches really treated me really nice and just felt like home. It's just the feeling I had when I stepped on campus. Okay. Talk about, I guess, how many visits, I mean, did you have, and, you know, this was kind of educational for a lot of our listeners about the recruiting process before you felt comfortable with a coach. I mean, is it, you know, two visits, the 20? I mean, how many phone calls and texts are in between there as well? Well, a lot of coaches you got to kind of watch because you don't know who to trust and who not to trust and stuff like that. So, really, uh, Coach Cook and I, we just kept talking. Uh, I'd probably call him two or three times a week. We just kept talking, and then when I got to meet him, he just seemed really cool. And he was probably, probably he was my favorite recruiting coach I've had. Matthew, is there anything out there for for recruits right now, younger kids listening to this interview? Any words of wisdom you can give them about the recruiting process? What to do, maybe what not to do? Well, I would definitely let, uh, tell them to go out and see you know, their top five, whatever, and just see what's best for them. Don't just stick on one school. I, I'd let them go see what's out there. Great answer. You know, Matthew, you know, looking looking towards, you know, this year, what do you think um, sort of prepped, uh, prepared you uh, to really, you know, be so good at, you know, when you're running your spread offense and here you are getting recruited from schools who don't, you know, who, we're in a totally different style. So what is it that you were able to do uh, and help prepare yourself to be able, you know, such a versatile guy and recruit for a lot of different, you know, a lot of different quarterbacks in schools who run different, you know, different kinds of programs? Well, uh, I've, I've played different positions. I've played athlete positions. i played safety, uh, cornerback receiver, and play quarterback. I go to a, a personal quarterback coach year-round, uh, David Morris of QB Country. Like I said, he's trained A.J. McCarron. He's trained uh, a bunch of big-name guys, and he's just really helped me a lot. Okay. How do you – tell us about Coach Paul Johnson, if you can. I mean, what, what do you think about him as a head coach? I heard great things about him from, from everybody I've come in contact with. Oh, uh, Coach Coach Johnson is a really cool coach. I mean, he seems like he's really fun and relaxed, and, man, he's just a winner. All right. Well, Trey, do you have any last question uh, for Matthew here? Yeah, Matthew, just, just sort of one last thing. Is, you know, we appreciate you, you coming on. But, uh, you know, one of the things, I guess, um, in recruiting a lot of times is, you know, proximity. How important was the proximity of Georgia Tech to your hometown and, and you know, being able to go home, you know, more often? Well, uh, like I said, Georgia Tech's only five hours away. So it really isn't that far. I mean, if I want to come home one weekend, I can. But then again, it's also not too close. It won't be possible and stuff like that. It's just far enough away, and it's just close enough to home. All right, Matthew. Well, we want to thank you for coming on the show and, and 
trust me, we'll be watching you, keeping up to date with you, you know, this high school season and watching you in college, and we hope to have you on again soon. Yes, I appreciate it. Thanks, right. Matthew. Thank you, bud. Yes, that was Matthew Jordan. Uh, he's got a verbal commit to Georgia Tech. Just a great guy, Trey. Really enjoyed that interview. We're going to go to a quick commercial, and we'll be right back. Have you ever seen a picture on the Internet and just think to yourself, I'd love to have that on a shirt, or maybe you'd like your company logo on a shirt? Well, Actionwear Screen Printing is the place for you. We'll print whatever design you want on any surface you desire. Just give us the idea, and we'll make it happen. For more information, message us on Facebook or call Tony Williams at 817-891-6819. Actionwear, where your design comes to life. We are back, and we just got through with an interview with Matthew Jordan, verbal commit to Georgia Tech for the 2014 class. Trey, do you want to go ahead and give his Twitter information out? Yeah, I just wanted to make sure that you guys um, obviously can follow him. You know, and One of the things I would encourage is before we give this out, if you're a fan, whether you're a fan of Georgia Tech, fan of Nebraska, um, really you, know, you keep your Twitter and you keep your social media to a positive. I mean, these kids are, are great young athletes. Uh, you heard Matthew talk about how academics are very important to him. So uh, just remember that as you follow these guys on Twitter. But his is at M underscore Jordan underscore five. Again, Trey, with with all the negative publicity, it's always good to hear, you know, a positive story. And, and when I read that, like I said, it just made me feel good. And I'm sure, you know, some other big news outlets will be getting a hold of this. Everybody wants a feel-good story. And Matthew, Trey, had, a, had over a 4.0 grade point average, and he's going to go into mechanical engineering, I believe, at Georgia Tech. So that's that's huge. You have to be a very smart person to do that. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times we forget that there are actual student athletes out there. So it's really important to remember that. I mean, you'll actually hear, you know, from time those who want to hear it, that these a lot of these kids who are, who are going to the school, they may pick a school not only because, you know, they fit with them uh, from a football standpoint, but because they fit with them from an academic standpoint, whether it's a program they really wanted to get into. I mean, a lot of these kids have, um, you know, other aspirations as well, even if football doesn't work out. Or if it does, I mean, a lot of them have multiple talents. So just remember that, too, is, you know, you watch these recruits. I mean, a lot of times it may not be uh, your favorite school, but it may be their best fit. Yeah, and it's not like the guy had two offers and he had to choose one. He had 18 offers, Trey, at least. I mean, that's a lot of schools to choose from. It looks like he took his time, made the right choice. Georgia Tech's a, a team with such a great offense that, you know, a good year from him, he'll get he'll get noticed quick. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, Carson, absolutely. Oh, yeah, one thing, it's 18 offers, and he's not done yet. Just because you verbally commit to someone, just let everyone know, doesn't mean he's playing for Georgia Tech yet. He has a sign. So things happen, things change, Trey. He's a verbal commit, and I just wanted to stress that. Yeah, and we, and we heard from Tom Luganville, you know, what exactly a verbal commit means. So, you know, for those who think that it, you know, it's over and done with when you get an offer or a verbal commit, uh, that's not how it works. All right. Well, just thank him again for coming on. And, Trey, it is college football time. Tonight we will be breaking down the Oklahoma Sooners and the Southern Cal Trojans. Trey, which one do you want to start with? I'll let you pick. Let's start with uh, let's start with Oklahoma. Oh, the Sooners, man. Now, finally a team, you know, that comes in here. and They're not preseason top five, Trey, this year, like they usually are. 
they lost their big quarterback here. So it's Landry Jones is gone from Oklahoma. A lot of lot to replace on that defensive side of the ball as well. Yeah, I mean, obviously one of the big things is is we still don't know who the quarterback for Oklahoma is going to be. I mean, is it, is it Paul? Is it, excuse me, is it Blake, Blake Blake Bell? Easy for me to say. You know, I mean, I don't know. I probably, but you know, the quarterback position in Oklahoma uh, hasn't been really up for grabs for a while. I know it just seems like Landry Jones has been there 20 years, and now all of a sudden he decided to leave. And let's look at offense, Trey. They're returning seven starters. I mean, the backfield's loaded. You know, that's a good thing to have when, you, when you're breaking in a new quarterback. But one thing that, that's interesting to me is Blake Bell is a, is a stud. I mean, he's huge. He can get the short yardage down situations, Trey. But the question is, can he throw the ball in this offense, or will they restructure that offense to make it more of a zone read? Well, I mean, you know, obviously that's one of the big – you know, when you're talking about, you know, which quarterback fits you know, most uh, with the program, I mean, one of the questions you have about about Bell is, is he going to be like Landry Jones where they can sort of swing the ball around? I mean, obviously Landry Jones was a guy who I was pretty critical on last year. But, I mean, you know, that's the big question mark going in. Are they going to go back to, you know, more of a running attack? And that's, that's kind of what I see from this thing is, you know, Stoops is going to get back to running. He's going to get back to the ground and pound. He's going to get back to more of a, uh, I guess, a less of a throw-around type of offense. Because I question whether Bell is the kind of guy who can really sling it. Then you and you look at you're breaking in a new quarterback, really uh, starting quarterback that is, and that schedule's tough, Trey. There's, I mean, there's some several tough games in there that having a rookie quarterback, really. Uh, rookie starter is going to be tough in the Big 12. You have to remember, this is a team that, what, they get 10 teams in a bowl last year? Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, this was this was a team who, um, you know, in fact, a lot of people have really wondered about Oklahoma for a long time, you know, because Oklahoma sort of has fallen out of the national spotlight. I mean, is, is Oklahoma back? That's the big, you know, that's the big thing people talk about is whether or not Oklahoma can get over the, over the hump because they seem to have lost quite a lot of national exposure. And and it's been so long since Oklahoma has been, to me, a powerhouse to where they could win a championship. It seems like every year Bob Stoops, you know, underachieves with the expectations. How much longer in Oklahoma is he going to be if he just – if he loses three or four games this year? How much much patience are they going to have with him? Because they want to win a national championship. Yeah, I think patience patience is, is is waning. I think patience is is people in Oklahoma expect to be playing in big time games, and you know when last year you know you got when you're talking about getting beat by Kansas State, I mean I know you know Klein had a special year, but I mean they don't expect to lose that game. I mean especially when you're talking about at home, you know yeah, they, I mean great for Stoops, he blew out his rival in Texas, you know losing to Notre Dame. I mean this is a team. Um, that expects to win more. I mean, getting the, also getting blown out by Texas A&M in the bowl. I mean, that's a team who Oklahoma's played a lot over the years, and they certainly didn't want to lose that way to them. So, you know, Oklahoma has a lot to make up, I think. And Stoops needs – I think he's getting close to a time where people are going to be saying, okay, maybe enough's enough. Yeah, but you have to remember, he's a five-star athlete, the quarterback is, a five-star quarterback. And if they're smart, Trey, 
I really think you have to run plays designed around his strengths and the team. They run the ball well. What do you do? You line up and you pound the ball with the quarterback. You do the zone read. You, you hand the ball off and you run the ball and you eat the clock up and allow that defense a chance not to be on the field much because they lost a lot of starters on defense. Do you think Stoops is capable of changing that offense? Are the offensive coordinator capable of it? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I, I think they're good enough to change. But uh, let, let's get right to that schedule, Tarvin. Let, let's let's break it down. Let's break it down. Well, I mean, it's a tough game, that first one, August 31st, at home against UL Monroe. And I want to give the call-in number real quick before we get started, 646-716-5564. If you'd like to jump in with us, just hit number one when you get on. Louisiana Monroe, Trey, is a team that it actually surprised some people last year. So any concern right here if you're Oklahoma, first game of the year? Oh, yeah, I think so. Oklahoma's defense, uh, they're still rebuilding off a pretty bad season last year. Um, they only have one returning starter in their secondary. And Louisiana Monroe is actually a pretty good offensive team. They got enough guys back to make it make them a little scary. So, um Tarvin, I think they're going to struggle quite a bit in this game. I think Louisiana Monroe scares them, um, but in the fourth quarter they pull away. I think Oklahoma wins the game. Well, I think the problem in this game for Louisiana Monroe is going to be stopping Blake Bell on the ground. I believe early on until he gets his rhythm and, and they, they're going to give him baby steps, really. They're going to give him the ball as much as they can in his hands to create plays and I honestly don't see anybody on Louisiana Monroe that can actually tackle this guy, much less stop him. So I don't think it's going to be very close, Trey. I think it may be for three quarters, and I think a couple of touchdowns late by Oklahoma, something like a 41-17 to game here. All right, so we both have Oklahoma moving on in game one of their season. Well, game two is in September 7th. It's kind of interesting. You know, West Virginia – uh, you know, Geno's, Geno last year, all the, the hype that you and I even got bought into, they finished with a 7-6 and six record. And so now they have newly transferred quarterback Clint Trinket from Florida State. Uh, any better than a 7-6? and six? And what happens in this game? Man, West Virginia is a team that, I mean, they lost their quarterback. They lost their manhood, Trey, last year on defense. So, I don't know, going on the road, to Oklahoma, a team that's been in the Big 12 for a long time. I really don't think Oklahoma is going to struggle because West Virginia can't stop the run. And I think Oklahoma is going to do a lot of that early in the season, and I like them not too big, but I like them. Well, I mean, you know, Tarvin, let me ask you this. I mean, when's the last time West Virginia stopped anybody on defense? I mean, (laughs) uh, this last year's score was 50-49. to I mean, a shootout in West Virginia. So this is now Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma's defense is going to be better. Uh, I'm not sold on West Virginia after this transformation of the offense. Now that Geno Smith, you know, battling the uh, much misaligned uh, Sanchez for the Jets. So I think Oklahoma wins this game running away. Yeah, that takes us to the third game. We agree they're 2-0. and Tulsa comes to Oklahoma and, and you know Tulsa, they're always a team that can score points. Their defense is not very good, but they are a team that can put fear in a, a team, especially with a new quarterback, Trey, trying to break him in. Tulsa's going to give them a challenge here and make them score a lot of points. Yeah, I mean, Tulsa was 11-3 and three last year. They're kind of a team that I think a lot of folks don't realize how, you know, at least good they were. Um, but, you know, this is 
a different year, and this is in Oklahoma. I mean, three games at home in a row to start the season is exactly how you help a young quarterback take over an offense. Uh, I think they beat Tulsa, uh, I think, by two touchdowns. All right, so we both agree. So they're going to – they get a bye week now, which is very important. They go into that bye week 3-0 and with some confidence in two weeks to prepare. They go to South Bend. They play the Fighting Irish, the team that played in the national championship – or, excuse me, they showed up at the national championship game and dressed up and ran around on the field for a few quarters. But, you know, is Notre Dame a team that could easily dominate Oklahoma like they did last year? Well, I mean, the Irish have so many question marks. I mean, there's not – uh, it's hard to pick a team that was as important to college football last year and Notre Dame was that comes into this year with as much, I guess, really question marks behind everything. I mean, losing their starting quarterback. I mean, I'll be honest, I just don't know about this Irish team. I mean, they lost their sort of heart and soul in a defensive player who was you know, having an online affair with nobody, really. So you just kind of wonder about the, the mental aspect of the Irish. And, I, I you know, I'm not picking them to do very well next year, so I'm going to pick Oklahoma in this game. Well, Trey, we have a caller on the line, uh, Jonathan. Jonathan, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish in this game. Give us your take real quick on Oklahoma at Notre Dame. Uh, I think Oklahoma gets the revenge from last year. You know, I mean, they lost 30 to 13 at home. They're going to look to win, you know, 50 to nothing this time uh, on the road. You said 50 to nothing. Oh, yeah. They're going to look to. I'm not saying they are. I'm just saying they're going to look oh. to. <laughs> All right, good. Well, that gets us past September and the first game in August, Trey. TCU comes to Norman, and TCU's a team. They play LSU the first week. I mean, they they may have a couple of injuries after that, after that week. Tell us about TCU coming into Norman, Trey. I mean, are they good enough to win on the road? Well, I, uh, there's so many. TCU's a team, I'm not even sure – if what they're going to do at quarterback this year, I mean, I, I've heard, you know, and I'm not, I haven't kept up with them, so I don't know if Pascal's back on the team or not. Uh, maybe yeah. the chat room can tell me. I think, he, I think that I heard that he was. Uh, yeah. So, you know, if he's back, they're going to be a lot better than their seven and six record. So, can TCU get done on the road? And I don't know. We'll have to see how good they are. But they're not, it's not, they're not good enough right now for me to pick them in in, in Norman. Jonathan, are you going to pick the upset? Yeah, uh, I would like to, but uh, TCU, um, you know, the the running game really uh, didn't catch on last year. They lost their best receiver in Josh Boyce. They're replacing both their guards, and the game is in Norman. Even though they're returning nine starters on defense, I, I have to lean towards Oklahoma. I mean, that's just a prestige factor. Now, I'm going to pick TCU in this game. I think the rehab for the TCU quarterback is going to help him out a lot. He's going to come out with a clear mind. They're going to pull the upset, Trey, and it's going to put Oklahoma at four wins and one losses. You know, first game in October, you lose is not a good sign. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, that won't be. But, uh, you know, that brings them to the next the Red, River, Red River shootout um, mm-hmm. against Texas. I mean, it was 9-4 and four last year, and Texas just got blasted, Tarvin. I mean, you can't – if you are <laughs> Texas and you're Mac Brown, there can't be a much more embarrassing game than they had last year when they just got just ripped apart 63-21. to 21. I mean, Tarvin, I mean, are they losing again here? 
Honestly, I think so. I mean, Texas, you don't you don't just rebound from a forty two point shellacking just in a, in one uh, year. And I know I know Landry Jones is one of the reasons why they won like that. But Texas is one of those teams that they've struggled in the last few years. Ever since their national championship game against Alabama, this team has fallen off the map. I think Texas will be better, Trey. It's going to be a lot better defense from Texas. But this is a very hard game for me to predict. Um, golly. I'm just going to go ahead and pick Texas, Trey, just to say it. Well, Tarvin, you stole some of my thunder there. I think Texas is going to rebound this year. Uh, I think they're going to get the double-digit wins. I got them, I got them beating Oklahoma uh, and really getting some revenge off the shellacking they got last year. Wow. Jonathan? I have an extremely tough time picking Texas. I mean, I know Texas is returning a ridiculous amount of starters. I, they yeah. lost three starters from a year ago. Two on defense, three on defense, my bad. One on offense, so they lost four starters. Um, but I just think Oklahoma's superior, and I think this is a mental thing at this rate. You don't let yourself get beat down 63-21. to 21. I don't care how good the other team is. In a rivalry like this, you don't lose that bad. So I think Texas mentally is weaker than Oklahoma, and that's why I believe Oklahoma wins this game. All right. Well, Trey, we're going to take a caller real quick. That's a Skype caller. You're on Way In Sports. Who's this? Hi, it's Sonny. How you doing? Good, Sonny. What's going on? Thanks for joining us. Not, oh, no problem. I, I thought I'd just get, jump in just a little bit about TCU since they're right down the road here and we kind of keep track of them. You know, I, I, I think the quarterback for this team, the, you know, the situation last year, uh, he, he, was, he was a leader. At that time, and and now they, you know, as he comes back, you know, the leadership is going to be in question whether or not they're going to hand him over that leadership. So I, I look at that as a problem as far as the football team is concerned. But um, I, I think what might might end up happening with that situation at the quarterback position is is that they've got, they've got to be able to figure out what they're going to do about losing some of their players, uh, you know, um, you know star, star power, you know, as far as their running back. What was the, what's their situation there? And wide receiver, someone has to step up. And, and right now, you know, I, it, when it's preseason and not, we don't know who's stepping up. So we won't know about that until you get in there. So, um, whether their quarterback is going to be Pashel, you know, he started out a pretty good sophomore season back in 2011, um, you know, or is it going to be uh, Broykin? That's another question. So those, you know, I, I think Gary Patterson's smart enough to maybe see if Pashel can go ahead and move forward to move that up there. But um, they have to replace the, the offensive line, too. So you know, and Oklahoma, they're good all around, and that's what scares me about TCU going up against Oklahoma. I don't, I, I don't see TCU as much as taking that step to, to get that victory over Oklahoma. Well, Sonny, I think one thing that a lot of people forget is TCU is getting back their former leading rusher, Wayman James, and and that's going to be huge to have that ground attack. You know, with your quarterback returning as well, I think TCU could be a very dangerous team with nine starters returning to their defense. I mean, they were 16th nationally, so you know they're going to improve on that. Um, well, 
by the time they get to that also, you know, their schedule is rough and tough. They have LSU in August 31st, TCU does. You know, that that's a tough way to start off the season, my God, <laughs> uh, regardless how good they are and regardless where they're playing, and they're playing in Arlington. So uh, then they get a break with Southern Louisiana. Then they got Texas Tech. Then they get a bye week. SMU, you got to beat that football team that over in in Fort Worth as well, um, and then you got Oklahoma. So they got they got three tough games before they even get to Oklahoma. Um, but we're going to see what kind of football team this is from the get from the jump. Uh, whether or not they can handle teams like Oklahoma and moving in there. Remember Oklahoma when they joined the club, they lost five conference games in a row. That you know that's. Not, maybe not in a row, but I know they lost five conference uh, games. That, that That's big time for, for a football team. But yeah. then again, they didn't have that quarterback either. So you're right. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Trade TCU to you, though. I mean, do you think they have a shot to actually sneak up and win this conference? Uh, man, I, no, I, I don't. I mean, yeah, they're a lot better team with Pascal Tarvin, but I, mean, I just don't see them having the talent to walk away with the Big 12 right now. All right, well, I mean, I like They're, they're kind of like, young, aren't they? I, like they? I mean, TCU is kind of young, too. I mean, they got, especially on the defense, they're kind of young, and they got to see how they respond uh, to, to taking no, the next not. step up. I mean, they got young. I know they got young uh, um, linebackers on this football team. That's one of those things that you got to take a look at when they go into this season. There's been some talk that they might start the some of the younger players on this. At least going around in the news around here, that they may start some of the younger linebackers more so than the, vet, the guys that are returning. So you, it's got to be it's going to be all about Gary Patterson and who he's going to field, especially defensively. Yeah, you're exactly right. And we're gonna keep a close eye on TCU to see how they do. I think they could be scary trade, but that takes us on to what's the next game at Kansas on October nineteenth. Yeah, and that, that that gets us to uh, the one and eleven Kansas throw. And so, I mean, the real question is: Does Charlie <laughs> Weiss at Kansas uh, does he get them any better? I mean, one and eleven in the in you know the big. 12, which I'm not sure one of the Big 12 anymore. But, uh, you know, I think this is not a close game. I don't, I don't think Kansas really improves. Um, no. So I, I got Texas still to one loss at this point. Yeah, Kansas is not going to be a, a contest at all. So we'll move on to Texas Tech. And, you know, Texas Tech's one of those teams that can fling it around and and what the, wait, who wait do they have now? Carvin, you're not going to get are you are you not going to give Charlie Weiss any love over in Kansas? No, not at all. <laughs> Not at all, man. He's had, he's had a, million, okay. a million chances with me. And, uh, no, I don't give him any love at all. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> I, I, knew, I had a feeling you were going to sneak that one in. I don't know why, but I did. <laughs> but, you know, that takes us to October 26, guys, and Texas Tech's coming into town. And Kingsbury, is that his name? Kingsbury, actually, the new coach of Texas Tech, Trey, I think they're going to be a tough pass for Oklahoma, even though it's in Norman. Well, I think Texas Tech is kind of on a breakout list. I mean, uh, Kingsbury really, I mean, you got to give a lot of, um, I guess, what Manziel was able to do last year when he was coaching at Texas A&M. 
um, a lot of credit goes to Kingsbury. So I think Texas Tech is going to actually have a chance to to win the Big 12. They're going to be pretty good uh, next year, Carvin. If this game was was you know with the home of the Red Raiders, I, I'd pick I'd pick them. But I, I think t- Oklahoma is going to be top at home this year. This game is real tight for me. I got Oklahoma, but I wouldn't be surprised if Texas Tech wins this game. Yeah, I'm going to pick Texas Tech, Sonny, in this one. You being from Texas, do you know anything about the Red Raiders? Not really. Not 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 really as much. They're just a little bit too far west for me. <laughs> but but <laughs> it, I, they they you know the new regime and everything. I wonder about that going into the to this year. Yeah, and that's and Jonathan, you you looking at it real quick? We haven't forgot about you. Texas Tech going on the road to Norman. What do you think, real quick? Uh, Texas Tech is going to be too young uh, to pull off the upset due to uh, they, their quarterback graduated and De- and Seth Dahey. So they're going to be breaking in a new guy going into Norman. It could be a shootout, but I don't think they have enough gas. Okay. Trey, take us through this November schedule. Well, I mean, they got a bye week to start November off, and then they're at Baylor. Um, Baylor lost their starting quarterback, and that's one of the – you know, Baylor was one of the surprise teams. I was shocked they won eight games last year. They, they're, you know, they're the ones who blew out Kansas State at the end of the year to put Kansas State out of the running. Uh, this game's at Baylor. It's kind of one of those sneaky trap games. Uh, but because Oklahoma's coming off a bye, I just can't see uh, them losing to Baylor next year. With, you know, Even though by November the quarterback's not really new anymore, uh, I got Baylor losing this game. Oklahoma still with one loss. Wow, man, that's one loss so far. Mm. I think I have a couple more than that. Baylor is not going to be a team that's going to beat Oklahoma. They don't have the defense. They're like West Virginia, in my opinion, when it comes to playing defense. Yeah, they, they they lost their 35-year-old quarterback with a beard. So, no, I, I don't think Baylor can get it done. I like Oklahoma in this one, Yeah, I agree. All right, take us to November 16th. Well, you know, really, you know, you're looking at the Big 12 schedule and looking at Oklahoma, and Tarman, it doesn't get a whole lot harder at this point. I mean, to be honest, their tougher part of the schedule might be uh, the very beginning where they have you know, Tulsa and Louisiana Monroe because Iowa State coming into Norman, they were 6-7 and seven last year. They made a bowl. That's great and good. They're not beating, they're not beating Stoops and Norman. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. So I'll give Oklahoma a win in this one. Sonny, you have any thoughts on the Iowa State Cyclones? Not really. <laughs> Sonny, I, Sonny's I, a yeah. man of many words there. <laughs> I, not really. I, I don't know much about that team. And as far you know, there's we go back to if it's not around here or they're big time oh. in the top 25, I, I don't know anything about them, and that wouldn't be – probably a good idea for me to speak about them. All right, Jonathan, I know you're not going to pick Iowa State to beat these guys. Is that true? You're 100% correct. Even though one of my good buddies does play for Iowa State, I'm not going to pick them. Okay. Well, that takes us on trade uh, November 23rd. Well, I mean, Tarvin, again, we're talking about Oh, man, look at the schedule. I'm try, you know, I'm actually trying to get a Oklahoma a loss here. I can't believe I had them with one loss. But I'll tell you, Kansas State is not going to go 11 and two next year. And you know, they're Oklahoma. 
is going to be looking for payback. They lost to Kansas State last year, 24-19. There's a lot of magic that goes on in Kansas State, especially off last year, but that magic is not going to continue this year. Kansas State loses. I don't know. Bill Snyder is a a great coach, actually. They lost um, Tim Tebow Jr. there, you know, as quarterback. So, I don't know. This is a tough game. I'm going to pick. Golly, this is a tough game. I'm gonna pick Oklahoma in this one, guys. Even though it's it's at Kansas State, I just can't see it going any other direction. Jonathan, am I wrong? Um, no. I mean, Kansas State hasn't even figured out who their quarterback's gonna be yet. Yep. Yeah. And they lost nine starters on defense. You don't replace nine starters on defense and 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 you know come away with something fantastic. So I'm gonna lean on Oklahoma. Okay. Well, that takes us to our last game of the season for Oklahoma, and this could be huge. You know, there is no Big 12 championship game. Uh, I mean, this is it, it, Trey, at Oklahoma State. mm -hmm. And this is a huge rival game, but it seems like Oklahoma State's had their number lately. Well, they kind of have. I mean, you're talking about last year. You know, I know we're keep going back to what happened last year, but it kind of gives you at least some indication of, you know, how they're able to face each other. And you look at the game last year, Oklahoma State won that game in overtime. That was, of course, uh, in Norman. So now Oklahoma State's hosting the game. I I like Oklahoma State in this game. They seem to have uh, Stoops' number quite often. So uh, 8-5 last year, Tarvin, they're going to get another win this year against Stoops. Uh, Stoops finishes with 10-2. I think Oklahoma State takes care of business. And I think I have Oklahoma going eight and four, looking at their schedule right now, which is very disappointing. I think most of the experts have them project, projected nine and three, seven and two in the conference. Uh, Jonathan, I know you said ten and two, right? Yeah, I have them losing to uh, Baylor and Oklahoma State. Okay. Well, I mean, it's, it's just a lot. I mean, this, this could change, guys. These are predictions. But these guys, all of a sudden, Texas Tech could be a powerhouse. Baylor could be a powerhouse. You never know what's going to happen until that season starts. And that is the Oklahoma Sooners, guys. And we're going to go to a commercial. We'll be right back. Family reunions, school names, sports logos, custom designs. Actionwear screen printing will do all of that on whatever you want. Hats, shirts, shorts, pants, and much, much more. Embroidery, printing, decals, it doesn't matter. Just give us the idea, we'll make it happen. For more information, contact us on Facebook or call Tony Williams at 817-891-6819. Actionwear, where your design comes to life. We are back, and we just broke down the Oklahoma Sooners uh, 2013 schedule. I had them eight and four. Trey had them ten and two. Jonathan had them ten and two. Sonny, do you have your final projection for them, real quick? I I I think ten and two, you know, or nine and three, um, probably mm-hmm. for Oklahoma. I think sometimes Oklahoma gets a little bit careless sometimes against teams they should you know, win against, and that's the only thing I – but, you know, I don't know. This year I feel pretty comfortable with Oklahoma uh, going into this season, you know, more so that, you know, more so than in too many other Texas teams in reality. We're going to see another year where t- the Texas teams are going to be crap. Yeah, that could easily that could easily happen. And the next team we're going to, guys, in the Pac-12 conference, a team that really underachieved last year, they started off, 
the season, Trey, number one projected in the AP poll. So they, they were the team that was going to, you know, beat Alabama and knock the SEC off from seven straight years here. Um, this year, they're about projected to go eight and four, you know, nine and three, somewhere along that line. Monty Kiffin is gone from this team as defensive coordinator. Trey is his dad. I mean, he didn't fire him. I guess they decided to, to part ways. But give us your thoughts real quick about the Southern Cal Trojans. Well, I mean, one of the teams that, that has saw some negative impact from lack of scholarships and the depth of that team really affected them last year. Amazing to, to still think, though, the amount of five-star blue-chip dudes who are on that defense who are just terribly – I mean, they're just – these guys, it just shows you that just because you're a you know, high-reaking chip dude doesn't mean you can produce at the college level. I mean, this secondary was awful last year. The defense was awful last year. And their secondary is still a concern. I mean, yeah, Monty Kiffin's gone. I think he was gone because he wasn't producing uh, any sort of – he wasn't developing these kids at all. So here's the question. Can Clancy Pendergast, who changed the scheme – at USC, can he change the, the tide of the defense? I mean, seven and six last year for a team who draws the most five-star, uh, you know, the five-star guys go to USC and Alabama right now, and they still can't put yeah. together a good season. So, you know, I, I think they're going to be better than seven and six, but I'd watch out, Tarvin. I'm not sure they're going to be that much better. Well, the thing I like about this scheme is a 5-2, and, and one thing that Southern Cal has over the other teams in the conference, but, I mean, they have a deeper off or defensive line, and that's their strength. So last year, you know, Friday night before I studied Southern Cal, I really didn't realize that when we were talking um, about Southern Cal, but this could be the strength that actually helps this team. They needed a change. They needed a kick in the butt. And you know Lane Kiffin had to let his daddy go, and his dad took the took the sword, fell on the sword, so to speak, just for his son to have one more time, one more chance to win here. So, Trey, what do you think Lane Kiffin has to do this year to keep his job? Because I think they're ready to move, getting you know trying to get out of this probation and and everything. They're trying to get a great coach, and Southern Cal is one of the most historic programs in the country. Well, I mean, name a program right now who, if they were to lose their coach, not named Alabama, who couldn't draw the most talented coach. I mean, it, it, USC is there. I mean, if they were to fire Kiffin, I mean, they could be they could pull guys out of the NFL. I mean, USC is that kind of program. It's one of the very few elite coaching jobs. They they no matter who's there coaching, five star blue chip, four star blue chip guys flock there. So it's just a matter of getting a coach who can develop talent and actually put together an offense or defensive scheme um, that really correlates to wins, because right now we're not seeing that. The great thing about USC's schedule this year is, one, they're going to be good on offense. They're going to be really good on offense. I mean, they have guys at quarterback just battling out who are just so talented. I mean, whether it's Kessler or Max Wittick, I mean – I mean, heck, Tarvin, I don't know if you watched any of their spring game, but they were lighting their defense up. And, again, these are blue-chip on blue-chip guys. So, you know, they're going to be great at quarterback this year. And I think they have a schedule, at least in the early on, where they're not going to have a problem winning. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, one thing, they returned their entire offensive line, Trey, including their tight end, which is huge and, huge and marquee lead. But I want to ask Sonny something real quick. Sonny, I've always said that Lane Kiffin was put into Southern Cal to be a Band-Aid, really, 
until they can find their coach that they really want because a big-time coach is not going to come to your school when it's on probation and, and going through hell, really. So so do you think this is it for Lane Kiffin, really, if he doesn't produce? No, I don't. I, I think what happened when they picked up Lane, uh, Kiffin is to to slowly move back into it. Now is about the time. I don't, I don't think even if they have a bad year this year that we're going we're gonna to see any changes with Kiffin at the uh, head coach for Southern Cal. I really don't. I think he went in – with it and took the job knowing that he was going to be okay for a while. And now since the probations and everything are now becoming lifted and everything else, um, I think he still has another two years before something drastically is going to happen there. Like like you said, Lane Kippen wasn't getting the job done over in Southern Cal. <laughs> now he's going to go do it with the Dallas Cowboys. Wonderful. Um, so, you know, see, yeah, yeah, Monty, yeah, Monty Kippen. Yeah, so that, that whole thing, over there, as far as Southern Cal, I think there's some time for him to to go there. But I, you know, I think the biggest I think the biggest question mark is quarterback for Southern Cal this year. So, you know, yeah, you, you've had my, you know Matt Barkley in there for for as long as he has, and so someone's going to get an education really quick. Uh, so they better decide who's going to be the starter starting quarterback for that football team. Yeah, Trey, this is this is the chance, I think. Now they're under the radar a little bit. USC's right where they need to be, and all these young guys have, have went through the fires, and now they're back. They're deeper, they're bigger, they're stronger, they're more mature. Trey, this could be a very, very interesting season for Southern Cal returning all these starters. Well, I mean, and it should be. I mean, that's the thing about Southern Cal is it should be a good year for them. I mean, you look at the talent. And there's really no reason why they shouldn't have a good year. But the, fa- the fact remains, you, everyone is doubting it. Everyone. So I mean, that's that all comes down to coaching. I mean, they got legitimate quarterbacks. Uh, they got a defense that's improved. That should be improved. They got a lot of guys who played last year. But can they actually, you know, this explosive passing game? You know, can they quote it to wins? Yeah, and and you know, I, like I said, I predicted them Friday night. Now I'm going to predict them tonight after after really reviewing Southern Cal Trey. So get us started on this schedule. You lead the way, sir. Well, I mean, it starts off with a win at Hawaii. I mean, three and nine last year. Hawaii was terrible. They're not any better this year. Um, you know, USC is going to win that game very similarly than they did last year, 49, 35 to 10. 35 to 10, you said. No, I said 55-45. Oh. oh, I'm sorry. They're going to drop a lot of points. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. I was like, wow, that's low. But, yeah, they're going to beat Hawaii's brains out. They're going to enjoy the vacation. I mean, can you imagine those Hawaii defensive players trying to start Marquise Lee? I mean, this is the best player in college football, guys, him and Clowney, those two, I think. And it's going to be really interesting to see what kind of numbers he puts up. So I don't think anybody's going to disagree Hawaii is going to get slaughtered here. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So, I mean, I'll be honest, Tarvin, I got the first three games, easy win. You know, Washington State, September 7th, their first Pac-12 game. It's at home. It's their home opener. Washington State, 3-9 and nine last year. They're going to be one of the worst teams in the Pac-12 again. And then September 14th, Boston College. I mean, Boston <laughs> College was the worst team in a pretty bad ACC last year. I mean, they were 2-10. and 10. Uh, They're going to win both those games at home. And I think they need to play these cupcakes in a way just to, just to help them get in some kind of rhythm and develop chemistry because 
after we after we go through these trades, the schedule gets a lot more difficult. Well, yeah, absolutely. And so I'm guessing you're, they're three and zero for you as well, right? Yes, sir. And everybody yeah. else in America, probably. Yeah, I mean, really, if you look in the schedule, I think a lot of people would be uh, assuming that 21 September game against Utah State would be a cupcake, but it really isn't. I mean, uh, Utah State was 11 and two last year. I know offensively they lost some very key guys. But this team really made its mark last year on defense. I mean, Utah State was not a pushover, Tarvin. So am I wrong for thinking that Utah State might have a chance here? I think you're very wrong, and I think their coach is gone. I think he was the heart and soul. And you got to remember, Utah State was a bunch of JUCO transfers that came in. He was building a program up. I mean, they're a good – they're a team that can really play defense, and they're hard-nosed, but they don't have the athletes to step up and go on the road to Southern California. I mean, they're going to be starstruck, Trey, when they go in there and they see Snoop Dogg on the sidelines. They see these cheerleaders running around. These guys are just going to take in the scenery, and and I think USC is going to take care of business. Well, I mean, I I agree with you. USC will win this game, Tarvin, but this is going to be closer, I think. Obviously, we don't know what the spread's going to be, but I think, you know, in Lee Corso's style, it could be closer than folks think about think. Let's see what Jonathan thinks. Jonathan, any any chance Utah State comes in and plays these guys close? Well, this is the same Utah State team that lost to Wisconsin 16-14 to uh, in, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Madison last season. So, uh, yeah, I think, you know, Utah State, who returns their whole offensive line, their quarterback, and eight starters on defense, I believe Utah State can keep it close. I just don't think they can pull up the upset because, like you said, it is in Los Angeles. Yeah, and Snoop Dogg's going to be there representing. So, Trey, I'm going to say Snoop not Lyons. so fast on you and you and Jonathan. You know, I'm going to say not so <laughs> fast on you two. All right, take us on, Trey. Well, our next game is uh, Sun Devil Stadium in Arizona. What do you think? Uh, can the Sun Devils take down USC? Yeah, they can. I mean, I mean, they can. Arizona State's a tough team, especially when they play at home. I mean, Arizona State's got, you know, a lot of talent. And Coach Erickson, I mean, this this team, Erickson's still there, right? I haven't I haven't studied them as much yeah. yet, but I believe he's still no, there. No, Todd Graham. Todd Graham is. Yeah, Todd Erickson's Graham. Erickson's the offensive oh, coordinator yeah. at Oregon State. That's right. That's right. He left his dream job right at Pittsburgh just to go to, go to Arizona State mm-hmm. after a year. That's right. I remember now. But Arizona State, Trey, is going to be a tough team. I mean, but they're a – they're one of those seven and five teams. I think Arizona State is. I think USC has just enough, and this is going to be closer than the experts think. And they don't even have a point spread on this, probably. But I think Southern Cal gets it done, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, this was USC last year when they were they played Arizona State, and of course it was at home, but they were in the midst of losing four of five uh, at the end of the last season. And you know, the only game they won, Arizona State. So that, that just makes me think that, you know, I mean, Arizona State is not going to have the talent level even at home to keep up with USC. I mean, when USC was as bad as it gets last year, they were beating Arizona State. So uh, I got Arizona State losing, USC wins. Yeah. That, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to see on that one. And, and, you know, they get a bye week after this and they're heading to October. October is going to be a little tougher you know, two of the three at home, Trey. Arizona comes to town October 10th. 
Tell us about your thoughts on this game. Arizona beat the Trojans last year, embarrassed them. So what do you think about this year? Yeah, I mean, this was, you know, 39-36. This was a team that wasn't supposed to beat USC. I mean, they're not supposed to beat USC, right? Arizona isn't. I think I think USC is going to get some revenge. I mean, I think I think at this point, uh, you know, with being undefeated, I think USC is going to start to garner some national attention. Yeah, and Jonathan, Arizona's just defense is so bad that I just don't think they can keep it close. Well, Arizona's defense was terrible last year. I mean, they can only go. In, I mean, let's face it; they can only go up. Um, right. <laughs> I think I think what you need to look at though is who's going to start a quarterback for Arizona because right now, um, it sounds like a quarterback by the name of Jesse Schwagen is going to start. He's a transfer from USC. He was one of the kids that was essentially told, "Look, um, we need to sign this defensive player. We don't have enough scholarships, so we're taking yours. Leave." I mean. <laughs> I think Scroggins will be looking for some revenge on USC that night. Yeah, Trey, take us on to the big game. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, USC traveling, traveling the Notre Dame tournament. They lost last year 22-13 to at home. Of course, last year was a little bit of a magical season tournament. So, you know, Notre Dame, without a quarterback right now, we don't know who's starting. They're going to be able to figure it out by October 19th. Well, this is a tough game to predict. I mean, this is this is tough. I keep going back and forth with this game. Southern Cal does have payback on their mind. And, and last year was the first time they've been beaten in a long time by them. So I have a feeling they're going to come back, Trey, and actually win on the road at Notre Dame and, and get this rivalry, if you want to call it that, back in the way it should be. Yeah, and I, I'm going to say not so fast. You know, I've been talking about how terrible Notre Dame is going to be this year, and I think they are going to be bad. But guess what, Tarvin? I'm predicting Notre Dame over USC in a tight game. Uh, Notre Dame sneaks up on those uh, on the Trojans coming across country and, and takes them out. Jonathan, this is this is a tiebreaker here. Trey and I disagree. USC. Who do you like? USC. Okay. We'll see, Trey, two out of three, baby. You're the underdog now. I'll take it. <laughs> All right, October 26th, October 26th, the day after my birthday here. So everybody listening, October 25th is my birthday, and I do accept cash gifts. Uh, Utah comes to town to play Southern Cal. Utah hasn't done so well in the Pac-12, Trey. I mean, they just haven't been able to – Seems like the depth has been an issue. So, what do you think? Any chance they can go into the Coliseum and take away a win? No, they're they're going to lose big. <laughs> yeah, that's not even worth talking about. And November first, <laughs> this, this November, this November is going to be pretty tough. I mean, you have at Oregon State November first. Oregon State is a team tray that plays very well at home. They're well coached. So, so break down this game for us. Well, you know, you got to like what uh, Mike Riley is doing at Oregon State. I mean, 94 last year. To be honest, they kind of caught a lot of people, I think, off guard. I don't think people thought that Oregon State was going to be as good. I mean, this is three out of four on the road for USC in this stretch. And, and guess what, Turbin? I got them getting bit again. I think the Beavers take them down first part of November. I think USC is going to lose their second game here. 
Yep, I'm with you. I like Oregon State in this game just because of their coaching and and just because they're they're playing a lot better football, Jonathan. You know, in the last couple of years, are you picking the Trojans in this one? Um, I am going to pick Oregon State in the Friday night upset. Yeah, those Friday night games are tough. I mean, those are real tough. So right now, I have Southern Cal with what was that? One loss right now, I believe. Where was it, too? I can't even remember how many I've picked so far. But, Trey, how many do you have them losing so far, too? I got them losing two right now. Okay. All right, that next game, I don't think it's going to be much of a game at Cal November 9th. Trey, I don't think Southern Cal has any problem with this team. No, not at all. All right, moving on to Stanford, the big game, November 16th in the Coliseum. Southern Cal lost a close one to them last year. I mean, a very close game, 14-21. to 21. Is Stanford, Trey, the first question, is Stanford going to be as good as they were last year? Well, I think Stanford's building a, a legitimate power team in the Pac-12. I mean, I don't, I don't – you can't say that they're a one through the wonder. I mean, look how many years in a row they've been in the BCS. I mean, a couple years in a row, look at their seasons before that. They're, they're actually building towards a really good football team. But, you know, if this game were on the road for USC, I think that, that Stanford wins. But, you know, they're, they're still a team that, you know, they keep losing talent, and I just don't know how well they're replacing it. So I'm going to pick Stanford to lose this game just because, one, I thought USC, and, you know, maybe maybe doubting Stanford is what, what they need to win, but I'm going to doubt them uh, and say they're going to lose this game. Well, I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick Southern Cal to win, and at this time they're going to be what is that nine and one, Jonathan? If they go in and beat Stanford at home, so far I have the Trojans at nine and one on this schedule. Well, I guess we we lost Jonathan there for a second, Trey. So we'll move on. Um, maybe I'm I'm crazy, but I'm like you in Oklahoma. I'm not finding losses as I'm going down here, but. Um, at Colorado, November 23rd. Yeah, that, that's not a loss. <laughs> yeah, and this is an interesting matchup here. UCLA, November 30th. UCLA punched these guys in the mouth last year, and it was in UCLA. This game being back in the Coliseum trade, are you expecting different results? Well, I mean, one of the things is, is the new teams are so closely close together that you know, is there really a home field advantage? I mean, there obviously is, but I mean, it's not like these teams are going across country to face each other. One of the things about UCLA is they they have kind of a weird schedule. I mean, they got Nevada starting off the season. They travel all the way into Lincoln their next game, uh, and then then their Pac-12. I mean, their Pac-12 schedule is kind of tough. I mean, they're at Stanford, at Oregon, at Arizona, um, and so this team is gonna get you know really kind of you know. I think beaten up a lot, to be honest, in the Pac-12. So I think USC gets some revenge here. I'm not sure UCLA is going to have the staying power. Cause, I mean, when you're talking about Pac-12 schedules, I mean, theirs is up there for the toughest. So I think UCLA gets gets uh, USC gets revenge on UCLA, and I got USC being ten and two. Yep, I like I like Southern Cal in this game at home, and after I've studied the teams and looked at it. Southern Cal's 11-1, and one. and one big thing here, Trey, they don't play Oregon in this schedule, which is very good for them. Oh, exactly. I mean, avoiding Oregon uh, is huge. 
Yeah, so Southern Cal rebounds. They play well. I don't know if they beat Oregon or not if they play them. Um, so I guess this is good enough to keep Kiffin's job. If you're picking 10-2 and two, and I'm picking 11-1 and one looking at the schedule, yeah, I mean, I think that I think that absolutely keeps his job because I think either way, um, they, they're probably going to be playing for a Pac-12 championship. All right. Well, the USC Trojans improved. They had to go through the lumps, probation. The numbers are going to hurt them, you know. But look at all the five stars they have, the talent. If they can put it together, that's why I have USC doing well this year. They're under the radar. They're not number one in the country. And I think after last year's loss to Georgia Tech, I mean, they lost their last three, but you lose 21-7 to to Georgia Tech, Trey. I mean, you you have to start looking in the mirror a little bit. They had a fight in the locker room after that game, and, and maybe that was the turning point to make this team realize that, hey, we, we have to play. Just because we're five stars doesn't mean we're just going to walk on the field and win. So I think a different mentality is going to take place in Southern Cal this year. Well, I mean, they just have so much talent and on the offensive side. Um, that alone is going to win them so many games in the Pac-12, where a lot of a lot of these teams have really, you know, lackadaisical defenses is the best way to really, you know, put it to paper. But yeah, I, I just don't think that I just don't think that the Pac-12 is going to have enough guys on the secondary to stop the passing attack of USC this year. I mean, I think I, I thought that last year too, though, Tarvin. So you know, they went seven and six. Well, I think with it's going to be a uh, – I think, I don't know, it just seemed like Hollywood out there with Barkley. Like he was a pretty boy. But let's see, Jason Humphrey in the chat room has Southern Cal going 10-2, playing Oregon in Eugene in the championship, and Jonathan has a 9-3. and So we lost Jonathan a minute ago, but we're about to wrap up now. So, Trey, anything in closing – you know, oh, hold on, Trey. You had them ten and two. I had them eleven and one in the regular season. Paul's keeping track of these for us, so he can he can hold us accountable. But next week, Wednesday night, when we come back, we have a big show lined up. We 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 put off the NFC South just because we wanted to give it a little more time. Training camp starting very soon, and we wanted to make sure we get our college in. But Trey, there's a long time to NFL start, so I think we can get them all in. And we'll start our NFL breakdown Sunday night, if that's okay with you. Let's do it, man. All right. Well, next Wednesday night, or this Wednesday night coming up, we're gonna, we have two interesting teams here for you. And we're going to go to the SEC conference train. And, and I'll tell you why I'm picking Georgia. We're going to go over their schedule, the Georgia Bulldogs, and we're going to do the Texas Longhorns on Wednesday night. So make sure you join us. That's two very good teams, actually, with, with expectations on them this year. Max Brown's on the hot seat, and Mark Rick's on the hot seat as well, Trey. Well, yeah, and, you know, and Georgia's got, a, you know, kicker issues, so maybe we'll talk about the voting under the influence again. Yeah, and I uh, just want to let people know that, that we do have an interview lined up with Vince Dooley, Um it's everybody. I think everybody in the world knows who Vince Dooley is. Trey, do you think I need to explain who he is, or do you want to? Well, yeah, hopefully our college football fans know who Vince Dooley is. Yeah, we have an interview with Vince Dooley coming up, and I think I'm going to air the interview Sunday. You know, I want to have time to, to actually advertise this interview and actually get the fans out there, get it buzzing around. And so we're going to get it static on Block Talk Radio, and by then our website will be finished. 
uh, Trey, wayinsportstalk.com. Go there, look at our website right now, see what you think. And uh, I'm ready for that website. Yeah, I mean, we're excited to roll it out. You know, it's something that we've been, uh, you know, we've been wanting to do. So pretty excited to, to actually show it to you guys. Yeah, and, and on that website, we will be doing a blog. We will be talking about topics that we just discussed, maybe writing more in depth. We will be discussing on the blog upcoming topics, and we'll be able to hear from the fans what they want to talk about. This will just give us a lot more exposure out there having our own website, and we're just really excited to have it going. And make sure Wednesday night at 9 Eastern you join us. We're going to be live, and like I said, we're going to be talking about Texas and Georgia. So thanks, everyone. Sonny called in. Jonathan called in. Thanks, everybody, for the chat room. Bruce Cowart, Jason Humphreys, Jonathan, Paul, Roger Noriega, The Couch, and you, Trey, of course. But have a great week, and, and we'll see you Wednesday night. See you, bye. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.